Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! This is Wretched Radio. You have been very prolific, and I am most grateful that you send wretched stuff. It's questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched. Send it to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy. Yes. I got it. I got an email here. Oh, you do? Just want to give you a little flavor of what it's like to be friends with Tom Hammond. Oh, (laughs) I have more than I need. (laughs) (laughs) He's the author of two, but we've given away two million copies of the booklets that he's written. Two million copies. Uh, The first one was What Time is Purple? The second one was Solving the God Puzzle. Two million copies. And every week he sends me his outline for his Bible study, going through the book of Revelation. That ain't no easy task. Mm. Wow writes Tom to the people in his Bible study. I'm very excited to announce that everyone on this end times email list has replied that they have read Revelation 2, 7 through 17 in preparation for tonight's class. Well, everyone except for two. Other than just those two people, everyone else has read the passage and the class will be amped and ready to go. Except for those two people. Those two people may not be so ready, but hey, there's still time. See you tonight. That... (laughs) Is Tom life <laughs> with Tom Hammond. What do you got in the mailbag? <laughs> well, we start with Nancy, who has a correction. Oh, she says, thank you, Todd, for your uh, for the balanced episode on revival earlier this week. Well, thank you for that. Let's move on to the next email. <laughs> so she's not finished. She's not finished. She wanted to mention that uh, Joe Beakey, however, is not Presbyterian. Who would we hold it? Have you told Joe Beakey this? <laughs> he's as Presbyterian as John as John Knox. Are you kidding me? No, yes, she says he's uh, more of the free reformed uh, uh, and united reformed uh, out of the Dutch tradition. <laughs> Holland, Scotland, it's all reformed. Sorry about that, Dr. Beaky. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Anonymous, who says, Mr. Friel, I have been having this conversation with my partner recently. She says that she would like to make our kids her number one priority once we have them. But I argue with her that our marriage covenant is what should come first. Mm. After God, of course. This by no means is saying that we'll ever neglect our kids. Right. What is your point of view in this circumstance? Oh, boy, this is a big deal. This this, this is one of the reasons why I think you see the phenomenon of couples who have been married for decades getting divorced. It's like, wait, what? You made it 30 years? You didn't have it figured out till now? It had become a kid-centric home. Now, that's practical. I also think it is biblical. And here's why. 
the primary relationship in the family. It is not parents and children. Now, I, I know that might sting a bit, but hang in there. Let's let's get all biblical on this. In the garden, the man and the woman covenant together. That's the primary relationship. If you don't have that relationship, you don't have children. Children come afterwards. Now, what else do we learn in Genesis? That a man leaves his father and mother. It is a temporary covenant that they are in with you in the family covenantal relationship. Joel Beakey should like that (laughs) as a Presbyterian would like the covenantal language. They go, they fly away, and then they start up their own unit. And there you are. Furthermore, we see, I think, laid out Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. He tells, talks about the relationship and the dynamic. They are definitely on two different levels. Now, this doesn't mean you love your kids less, but it does mean the primary relationship in the family. It must be husband and wife. And here's another reason why, if it isn't, your kids will be unhappy because they are not supposed to be the primary relationship. They're supposed to be in the submission role. That's their part in the family. And it's mom and dad who are in charge of things. And when that dynamic is off, you are, you're going to create unhappy children. If you've got a husband and wife who are not primarily focusing on their relationship, the health of the relationship with the kids, it will suffer Work through this. It will change the dynamic of your home. And when the kids do fly away and those little cherubs, they're gonna and 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 you're gonna be left there. You you are going to want to make sure that that primary relationship is healthy. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Alexander who says, Hi there, Mr. 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 Sensei Master. Friel. Okay. You okay with that one? Yeah. Okay. All right. He wants to know what the biblical view on early retirement is. He said, if someone makes enough money to last them the rest of their life, do they need to work anymore? Uh, I just, I, the answer is yes, but let's define work. How are you supposed to work? Well, we are supposed to be subduers of the planet. And just because perhaps the Lord has blessed us enough, that doesn't mean that assignment has ended. Because we are to be continuing to do that. Now, how does that manifest itself? It could be church work. It it could be serving people. It could be evangelizing. It could be praying. I don't think that we humans are ever called to just drop it and count seashells on the seashore. Yeah, you can spend less time working. I get it. Energy levels, health considerations as you get older. Nobody should be a legalist about this. But never lay down the mantle of work. It is good. You're being like God when you work. So you don't have to keep going to your nine to five if the Lord has blessed you with that. But then you figure out, and I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. I can't make my way your way. I can't make a law where there is no law. But I do think that we are commanded to always be working. It might be less. It might not be in the same capacity or in the same field. But because we are charged to subdue the earth, I, I, I just don't see like full retirement where it's just nothing but playing golf, as nice as that might be. Idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, the Phoenix Open was kind of a disappointment this year. Why so? And nobody threw garbage all over the 18th green. <laughs> just not as exciting as it was the year before. That was just chaos, man. 
idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Amber. Todd, how do I know that I love other Christians? I have trouble knowing my own feelings. I do desire to love them, and I try to pray for them and ask how they are, but I don't know if that counts. Well, let's define what love is. Love in the Bible typically is not a feeling. Love in the Bible is a verb, 1 Corinthians 13. They are verbs. This is what love looks like. It is in action. So how do you know that you love people? You do stuff for them. That's how you know. You don't just see the the, the little old lady at church walking down the aisle and go, mm, I have such fond affection for her. Now, you can have that, certainly. But if you want to know that you've got biblical love, you go help her. We do things for one another. That's why there are so many one another's in the Bible. Love is an action. And you know that to be true. When you love somebody, you do stuff for them. And you don't even think about it, do you? You just do it because I just I just do it. Love can have affections attached to it. That's that's different, by the way, than an agape love. The agape love that we're supposed to have is a love that happens just because It's in us. How does that love get in us? It is the love that God has expressed. He has shown toward us. In this is love. He died. In other words, he showed his love by dying for us. And with that love firmly embedded in our hearts, now we love others sacrificially by works, by deeds. That's love. Idea at Wretched. Org. All right. This is from Adrian. Todd, what are your thoughts on the trend of pastors sitting on a bar stool and having a table to place their Bible on instead of standing behind a pulpit? Yeah, it's a trend. That's that's for sure. And I and I get it. And I you can't make a law. Uh, Old Testament. Oh, I wish I hadn't unhitched it. I'd remember the address that the, they build actually a platform on which there was there was like a pulpit for the reading and the explaining of the word. I I think that's where we get the concept from. I think that speaks something. It says that, well, it says a number of things. If you've got an old-fashioned pulpit, especially a big one, God is big. His word is big. Man, the guy standing behind it, he's small. Furthermore, a pulpit, it shields the man. It's not about him. It's about God. Furthermore, Positionally, it's an authoritative sort of position. The thinking behind the bar stool and the table and walking, it's so that the pastor's relatable, and I get that. But you've got to ask yourself the question, what is he doing up there? He is declaring the word of God authoritatively. When he preaches on Sunday, it's not about the people feeling like, oh, he's he's cool. He's, he's like us. There's nothing different about him. Look, he is like us, but when he is preaching in his role as elder, that is an authoritative role. That's why Paul says, I do not permit a woman to preach, teach, have authority over a man because they're connected. Can't make a law where there is no law, but ask yourself the question, why are you doing that? And if it's to be transparent and relatable, ask yourself the question, is that what a sermon is supposed to speak? This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Club.
comes Romania. Now, tomorrow comes Romania as 106 That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio programs, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Know your church fathers. Ignatius of Antioch was a disciple of Peter and John and the Bishop of Antioch. He was arrested and sentenced to die in the Roman arena. As he prepared to go to his death, Ignatius said, Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones and dismemberment come upon me, so long as I attain to Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio, and that is the sound of your prolific emailing to idea at wretched.org. Oodles, oh stories. I would never find this stuff, but you send them to idea at wretched.org along with your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, and I am most grateful. I thought you were killing a spider. All right, this one is from David who says, uh, Todd, uh, our church has lost more than a few members recently, and uh, they've all seemingly gone together to a newer church in our small city. I recently found that the pastor of that new church is preaching sermons that are not his own. Oh, Timmy. 
What? Just move on. Plagiarism ain't no big thing. Not anymore. No, I've been told. <laughs> so he says, I suspect that most or maybe all of the people do not know that's, that that's happening. So how can I make the people that left our church aware of what's happening without coming off as having sour grapes? Well, don't have sour grapes. <laughs> Anytime we seek corrective confrontation or even admonishment or just a helpful word, Consider motive. Why am I bringing this to somebody's attention? Now, this isn't just somebody who left your church. This is at home. This is your spouse. Motive, motive, motive. It's always heart. Start there. And if your heart is, well, if I tell him that the scoundrel in the pulpit is preaching somebody else's sermons, they'll leave and come back. Followed by a, <laughs> you've got the wrong motive. Is, is it because you're concerned? Is it because you care about them? Is it because you simply want to inform them so that they can make the correct decision to either confront the pastor, make a decision to leave, whatever it is, start with the heart. Whoa. That's Jimmy. That's tweetable. That's that's a worship song. (laughs) Start with the heart and don't let that thought depart and put it in a cart. And take it to Walmart. Take it to Walmart <laughs> with your friend Bart. I, you know what? It's as good as the other stuff I hear these days. Ideaedwretched.org. <laughs> All right. This one next one is from Norm. Todd, how is it that God repents? We, we by using anthropomorphisms. <laughs> when we think re- repent, we think, oh, a sin took place. Therefore, you need to do all of the elements that are contained in that. Unfortunately, controversial word repentance, but God is simply using that word to say he's the course that he told you he was going down because of the promises he made to his people. And if they acted a certain way, then he would go a different course. And so he simply uses the term he repented as an anthropomorphism, as human language to help us get what he is doing. It doesn't mean that God sinned. If it did, it would override all of the verses that make it so crystal clear that God is without sin. The Bible does use language that we can simply get. For instance, Jimmy. Yes. This this should go over well. Jimmy, I was working on a sermon all day yesterday. Okay, you were? Yeah. Okay. Uh What's it about? That's the wrong question. Okay. I wish you'd show up to rehearsal. <laughs> How long were you working on the sermon, Todd? How long were you working on about the sermon? four hours. That's all day? Well, you know what I meant. Okay. We, you, we do stuff like that. It's their expressions. They're, they're, they're the lingo that we used. Nobody ever yells at the TV, Hey, weatherman, the sun doesn't set. The Earth's rotation makes it look like it, but it's not because we use language to simply get stuff. And God sometimes adopts that language so we can get him. Idea at wretched.org. That went really well, Jimmy. It that did. Was, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have uh, tissues close by? Actually, yes. All right. Well, you're going to need them. This one's from Jonathan. Todd, I am a 14-year-old who is wondering if you have any ideas on evangelizing. Mm-hmm. I greatly want to talk to people. <laughs> Yeah, about Jesus. <laughs> and he's 14. He's 14. And Thank want, you for 
encouraging me to get the Kleenex. <laughs> he wants to share his faith, but he gets scared and shines away from it. Kleenex. Is the plural Kleenexes? <laughs> or is it like Lego? Clean eye. Clean eye. <laughs> Way to go, 14-year-old. You want to share your faith, but there are things that make it a little scary. Please note, Paul was scared. Talk to Ray Comfort. He's scared. When I go to the university campus, yeah, it's like, how is this going to go? How will people respond? It's 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 an irksome task. So don't feel like, oh, I'm just terrible for having these feelings. They are common and they might not ever go away. So how do you go about the business of being faithful to that desire in your heart when it's hard for you? Get started. Do what you can do. Do what you're just slightly uncomfortable with. Don't start open air preaching tomorrow. Just start doing something that maybe you wouldn't have done before. It just, it, and I'm not kidding about this. It could be something as simple as, hi. It could be something a little bit more than just hi. It could be, hi, nice day, isn't it? In other words, just talking to some folks, it's hard to talk to strangers. All right, just start. And then just start to do a little bit more. Leave a gospel booklet someplace. Just drop it someplace. And then the next thing you know, you might you might just be at the point where you can actually hand it to somebody. Then you might be able to hand it to somebody. And before you actually release it, you hold on to it and say, hey, may I ask you a question? Do, do you know where you're going when you die or whatever it is that you choose to say? Just start taking baby steps and move in that direction. But please note the ultimate goal isn't to be George Whitfield. That was his gifting. Ray Comfort has his gifting. I, I, I've got my gifting. Jimmy has. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Jimmy has gifts somewhere <laughs> in there. But the point is, you 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 don't have to become a soapbox preacher necessarily. Now, if that's your gifting, work toward that and do that. But just do what you can do, and then then the Lord will use you the way that he has designed you. We need different Christians with different gifts, reaching different people in different capacities. So well done, young man. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is a very important question next uh, that comes from Joe. Todd, I'm going to be making a trip to the Ark Encounter next month. Oh. Because I'm a Christian, I've always eaten at Chick-fil-A. I understand you prefer the counterfeit Zaxby's. So Ooh, aggressive, gonna, aggressive. <laughs> he said there was no passivity in that. <laughs> no, he's going to be going out of his way to try the delicacies in your honor. His question <laughs> is, do you ever struggle with guilt for betraying the church? Wow. <laughs> wow. As much as I suspect you have some guilt about being a heretic. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling right there. Betraying the church. I'm trying to serve the church. By providing the best. This is this is biblical. Offering the best, even though it may not appear to be the best. Giving somebody the best, even though it might not appear on the surface. I'm simply offering you the best when I encourage you to do the biblical thing and go to Zaxby's. Idea at Wretched. Make sure you... T okay, the grilled chicken sandwich, that's to bomb diggity. If you like the deep fried stuff, well, then get anything that's deep fried. Just get ready. It's a different experience than Chick-fil-A. If you're expecting that soggy, squishy bun and that scrawny piece of chicken they put on there and the waffle fries without enough salt, just prepare. This is going to be a different experience for you. 
Bon Appetit idea at wretched.org. All right. This next one comes from Mike. Todd, against my better judgment, I started to read an online thread discussing the events in the book of Exodus and the lack of historical reference to the events in Egyptian history. Now I've gotten myself into a rabbit hole that I'm desperately working to get out of. How can I address the lack of historical references to Exodus in Egyptian history? Uh, When we look back in history, even recent history, the vast majority of events are simply not recorded. There is not. Furthermore, when it is an event that would make a nation and its pharaoh look terrible, they would archive those? Probably not. Don't let that trouble you at all. Most stuff is not recorded historically. Furthermore, it could have been But we don't have those manuscripts. The most authentic historical manuscript that there is is the Bible itself. Furthermore, God said it. We believe it. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next one comes from Lori. Todd, I'm a female and part of my church's worship team. And my pastor recently asked me if I would take the role of worship leader. Should I? Let's focus on that title, shall we? Because I think there's a distinction between worship leader and worship participant. I think there's a difference between being in the chorus, the choir, versus standing up front and leading the body in worship. I think there's a difference in playing an instrument and leading the congregation in worship. I think leading, telling people what to do, showing them how to do that, I, for my money, I just think it encroaches too much on the authority preaching teaching role besides these days with worship leaders. Uh, I, I, I see this so often and I just don't get it. The worship leader, the guy or the gal, they get up and go, you know, hey, it's just, I'll tell you, you know, the other day we we're just walking and I just saw the sun setting and I just thought of the sun and just how great it is to be a Christian. So, yeah, here's that song. And it's like, whoa, 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 who's who's like vetting that? If, if if there's teaching involved, and even if there's just leading involved, I think that encroaches on the admonition that Paul does not permit a woman to preach, teach, have authority over men. Participate in the worshiping. A worship leading, I would say, probably best to stick with the man. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. All righty, I'm just trying to do my best impersonation of Jimmy Hicks, who claims that he's sick. Between you and me, he's just weak. Jimmy, can you prove that you're actually sick by saying a sentence? I am sick. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm you. (laughs) This is Wretched News. I do believe we have a theme. Romans 1. Headline. Mississippi governor to sign bill banning surgical chemical gender mutilation of minors. I know that's good news. The governor there, Tate Reeves, signed a piece of legislation to keep adults from mutilating children. Yeah, that's good news, but it's so Romans 1 that we would actually need this type of legislation. How am I doing, Jimmy? Story number two, Florida Democrat. Yep, the theme is Romans 1. Florida Democrat backs off plan. Get ready for this one. To ban dogs from sticking their heads out of car windows. Wow, I am so glad that all is well in the state of Florida and they have nothing to worry about but dogs sticking their heads out of windows. Priorities. 
priorities. Hey, speaking of politics, the White House bragging about... <laughs> now, we all know we've been informed that people who are in the power position are the only ones who can be racist. But honestly, if this isn't racism, I don't know what is. The White House brags about its lack of whiteness. <sighs> Recently read a Rasmussen poll, 26% of black Americans said it's not okay to be white. Another 21% said not sure. This critical race theory business is working just as planned. It is intended to divide and set people against people, and it is working quite magnificently, sadly. Planned Parenthood director complains half of abortion customers don't show up when pro-life people pray. And all of God's people said, boo-hoo, Paris Hilton <laughs> celebrating the ending of her baby's life. Because it's a woman's body. You know, you've come a long way, baby, when you celebrate the taking of your own child's life. And finally, in Oklahoma, a bill could jail drag performers. <laughs> and we're being accused of targeting people when we're just trying to protect children. That is the Wretched News. I'm not Jimmy Hicks. More of me next. Books of the Bible When Habakkuk saw violence and injustice in Judah, he complained to God. God promised to use the Chaldeans to punish Judah. But Habakkuk complained that they were even worse than Judah. God said that he would punish the Chaldeans after using them to purify Judah. God uses all things for his glory and the good of his people, even evil things. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Uh, huh. Uh, huh. And you didn't think we didn't do nothing around here all day. This is Wretched Radio. I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers an article I read I don't know how long ago that is titled, Can a Woman Lead Worship? Uh-huh. We do some research around here. Now, it happens to be... I don't remember reading it, so let's dive in to this question together from CBMW. That would be your Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood to see what the Bible says about women leading worship. I sure hope they agree with me. From the article, besides Miriam leading the women in Exodus 15 and verse 20, there aren't many examples of women leading worship in Scripture. It seems the Levites who led the singing at the temple were men, 1 Chronicles 25. Now, if I were putting together a theology on worship leader, I would put that in the implicit column. I would say that that isn't a clear directive that anybody who participates in worship must be a man. If it said that, well, that would be an explicit verse, but it implies that men in the Old Testament were the ones who led the singing aspect of temple worship. Back to CBMW, part of the difficulty in answering this question is that the New Testament doesn't contain a worship leader job description. What does a worship leader do? It can describe a number of functions. Song leader, singer, band member, music minister, worship pastor, to name a few. That is so important. Isn't that just becoming so obvious today that before we can have a conversation with most folks about an issue on which we disagree, we have to come to terms with what our terms mean. 
What, it, what does it mean to be a, on the worship team? What is, what is the running the soundboard? Uh, is, is it setting up the speakers? Is it playing the piano? Is it playing the appropriate or, instrument, the ordained instrument of the church, which is the organ? Don't believe me? You find the word organ in the Bible, don't you? Have you ever seen the word rock and roll band? I rest in my case. What is the role? What is the position? So before we say, can a woman be on the worship team? Well, what do you mean by that? Define terms. We'll continue. It would also depend on how that particular church understands the degree of authority that she holds over the congregation and to what extent she provides instruction. I'm so glad that CBMW is on the same page. I think that I can we agree with this? Then I'll just I'll throw it out. You see if you agree or not. That if the worship leader is a woman, and between songs, in other words, just making sure you know she's she's pointing and saying start singing now, and she directed okay, hold the note. Wait, no, 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 no. There's there's going to be a, a little bit of a bridge here. So you know, besides that, if she's doing teaching in between, commenting on the hymns talking to the congregation, say in almost any way, can we agree that would be then a worship leader providing instruction, which would fall underneath the category of elder, and therefore she shouldn't be doing that? Can we can we start there? No. What if she doesn't do that? What if a woman is standing in front of the congregation and she is just making sure that you start on time, that you can hear the melody sung correctly, and and you follow along. Well, it depends on what you mean by leading. Does that get into leading, having authority, which is by God's determination reserved for men? And I think we're going to have different churches that come to different conclusions on that. But what I would suggest, and we'll see if CBMW agrees with me or not, then you might not. If it involves authority, instruction, teaching, leading, in that regard, ah, I, I think we've we've crossed the line. Back to CBMW. Does she provide doctrinal commentary between songs or other doctrinal instruction to the choir or congregation? Does her leading involve the exercising of authority over others or the providing of leadership regarding timing, tempo, and music? That's a different thing, isn't it? Now, you might say that's still leading. I get that. I, I think there's a distinction there, isn't there? I, I don't know why I, I don't, I mean, I remember that there would be, you just think of a little country church. There's a little Hammond organ on the side and Mrs. Gildenfarb, she's been playing the thing forever. And when you're supposed to start singing, she just raises her hand and kind of points. Is that exercising authority over the church? I don't think so. Now, positionally, it does feel a little different if somebody is standing on a platform and leading in that way. So I think that is a discussion worthy of having is just leading tempo, timing, etc. Is that having authority? I think some churches are going to say no. I think some churches are going to say yes. Back to CBMW. Does she direct the church to a particular song in a hymnal and invite those assembled to praise the Lord? Or does she engage in a more biblical exhortation like a pastor? I think that these questions really ought to be asked. Because we don't want to be doing something displeasing to the Lord. Worship leader, I'm at CBMW. Worship leader, along with minister, director, or any other title, 
may possibly describe a function of one of two biblical offices, but the title itself is not found in Scripture. What if it's a man? Can he be called the worship leader? I think so. Should a woman be called the worship leader? Here's a different configuration for your consideration. She's not called the worship leader. She's the worship facilitator. That's probably an acceptable word these days. And, and, and she, she doesn't do any teaching, exhorting from the platform. You okay with that? But is worship leader just the title itself? Does that infer a, well, there's a submissive role that you, sir, are playing to the worship leader? I think we do need to work through these things. Are there any biblical qualifications that must be met for a person to serve as a leader in a worship service? Qualifications for an elder or deacon are clear in the New Testament, but what of an office that is not found in Scripture? Uh, I would make a suggestion in an effort to answer that question. I would say that that no matter what gender we're talking about here, that the qualifications of a deacon are a good template to use. We We actually do that here at the ministry. When you join our ministry, you you sign a statement of faith and you sign that your character, your behavior, you will strive to meet the characteristics that are defined for being a deacon in a local church. Um, it's helpful. It's it, it just everybody's role that in the church, you understand that there's a responsibility that is involved. So I don't, you can't make it a law, but I would suggest if you've got people in leadership you should be telling them, even though you do not have the office of deacon, you should be. These are the standards here at this church. Disagree? Fine. Then beep talk it. Toll free, so please call with whatever you have to say. One eight seven seven two eight two. Mister Freel, tell me this: I know that as believers, we will receive glorified bodies in heaven. But what kind of bodies will people have who are uh, bound to hell? They're, they're going to have an eternal body. They will have a body, a physical body that lasts forever and ever and ever. Make no mistake about it. It ain't going to be fun for people that are in hell. They, it's, it's going to be so atrocious. I was actually thinking about this. I, here's, here's something that you can noodle through. This might be a healthy theological musing. Will people in hell be allowed to sin? Will they be allowed to sin? And the reason that I was kind of, oh, wait a second, because I could think of an exception or two. I don't think anybody in hell is going to do the sins that they loved on this planet. They're, they're not going to be able to look at porn, have a kegger with their pals on, on the beach of the Lake of Sulphur. There ain't going to be anything enjoyable there. But they're still going to hate the Lord. Still going to hate, and that's a sin. So will they be able to sin? They're not going to do anything fun. I can tell you that. And it will be unpleasant. And this should be the thought that helps us be motivated to evangelize the lost. And it will be the thought that helps you to love your enemy, somebody who has even harmed you. Think of what's going to happen to them if they die in their sins. And you will eventually move from being really angry, perhaps, from being disgusted to actually concerned because you're going to get an eternal body in hell.
I believe that God is all powerful and can reach the lost through his ordained method of proclaiming the gospel. A brother believes God in his dreams to proclaim his gospel today. Is that borderline heresy or am I too rigid? No, I don't think you're too rigid, but I, I wouldn't call it heresy. It it hints that the position the person holds on the sufficiency of the Bible is more of a continuationist as opposed to a cessationist position. There, there are a lot of people who think that that's how God is really moving these days in the Middle East. He's saving people through dreams. I think that in the former days, Hebrews 1, he did do those things, but now he speaks to us through his son. So I believe that God still saves through missionaries, through social media, through electronic media these days. Isn't that a blessing to reach the nations? Could he do that? Of course he could, and it wouldn't be a sin if he did. But I don't think that that is normative, and I don't think that that is something that gets us off the hook of going. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Reborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. There's a reason we talk so much about biblical counseling around here. It's because it works. Transformed, our biblical counseling series hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson has returned for season number two. As a matter of fact, you can find it available now at transformed.org. Transformed season two demonstrates powerfully that the Bible has solutions for our emotional problems. Doctors Johnson and Gifford don't merely teach biblical counseling, they show biblical counseling in action. In season two, you'll meet Christians that are struggling with the same thing you likely are. Assurance, PTSD, anger issues, depression, discontentment, anxiety, self-pity, and much more. And you'll see with your own eyes that the Bible is sufficient for all of life, godliness, and our emotional challenges. Transformed Season 2. Available now at transformed.org. That's transformed.org. Confession normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical, 
health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is prophecy. Prophetic books record God's warnings to Israel and other nations of the consequences of continued rebellion against Him and the blessings waiting those who trust Him for salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's going to get better. Things that mean a lot here at Wretched Radio. I heard the new telephone system. Oh, it's crystal clear. And it's going to be set up and ready. When, Jimmy? Uh, we're working on it. It sounds so good. It does. I can, you can. It's like crystal clear. So hang in there. We're getting a new phone dealie, Bob. That's the technical term. All of you people who work at AT&T know that. little inside jargon for you. We'll get the dealie, my Bob, set up so that we can hear you clear, still clear, when you call one 282 Yes, I have a question from Mr. T-O-double-T. Real. Is it right for a pastor not to have deacons or elders in the church and have ultimate control? Actually, two questions there. I believe that it's quite clear that it, that, that a church must have elders, a plurality of elders. It could be two, three, however big the church is, whatever the needs are. But Paul told Timothy, make sure that there are elders in each church. Second, right with the qualification of elders, you see the qualifications of deacons. It's assumed you got deacons because you need that. And by the way, we see that in the early church in the book of Acts, that there are those who are needed to take care of the needs of the body. So I don't think that it should just be the pastor and nobody else. Now, as for authority, that is a different question. Can there be one who is the speaker of the house? who tips the ball when there appears to be a stalemate? And I think the answer is, yeah, I think you can have that because sometimes it's needed. Uh, How you set up your church, though, when it comes to the authority of the elders, I think there's a ton of liberty in that. If you ever study church polity, if you do not conclude, okay, this is a big subject and we've got to be careful how firmly we pound our fist on the table, You might want to study a little more because you see good brothers, they are making slightly different decisions about church structure. It can be a little bit tricky when it comes to the role of the one that we think of as the senior pastor. Does he have more authority than the others? Is it equal? Or is it um, the what what is that old saying, Jimmy, about there's there's one superior among the equals? They're equal, but they got a little bit more. Right. That's that's debatable stuff. So that just needs to be worked out in the context of your congregation. But as far as not having other elders, not only do I think that's not biblical, I don't think that's wise. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There's wisdom in having other guys to go, "Ah, you know, Pastor, I don't think that that's actually the right way to go about doing this. You want to have that sort of wisdom. one 282 Mr. 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 Friel, mm-hmm. I have a question. Is it wise for a single Christian man or woman to adopt children 
into their home. Yeah. I've known a couple of people right. who've done this, yep. and while there's a noble motivation, mm. it just mm. doesn't quite sit right with me. Am I off on this? Jimmy, do you think that I need to make more noises while people are talking? <laughs> just a little. I get where he's going. I see that, too, and it's like, ah, oh, you want these kids to be adopted, but we want to make sure we're not being pragmatic. In other words, we don't use the ends to justify the means. If I don't, I'm a single, if I don't adopt this kid or kids, they're not going to have a home at all. Well, that would be pragmatism if God speaks a clear word about how he has designed the family dynamic to work. And we see it's clear. It's a mother and it's a father. So if you're a single and you want kids, you got to take the first step. If we're going to do it God's way, you've got to get married. And there's a reason for it. You need it and your kid needs it. And this is an encouragement to dads and moms. Dad, you're not a doofus. I don't care what Archie Bunker made dads look like or Archie back. Uh, what was uh, uh, Dagwood Bumstead or any of the ridiculous characterizations, these mocking portrayals of men. The doofus dad. Well, dad don't know nothing. He's just not aware of any. He's dumb. Dad is, you know, he did, always loses stuff. Dad, we need you. Don't buy what the culture is telling you about fatherhood being dithering and unnecessary. And madam, be encouraged. You're needed. Was just, oh, okay. Somewhere in this stack of stuff that you sent, I was just reading that they did an international study on empathy and genders. And I believe, I'm doing this from memory, it was like 50-some nations. For the sake of easy math, let's do 50. No, I think it was 53. Because it was 36 nations, the woman was more empathetic. In the other 17 nations, 53, it was equal. Not one nation showed men to be more empathetic. Now, tests like that, yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't need a test like that. I don't need a study like that. I got the Bible. Women are more, they're the tender one. They're the soft one. Ish, isha, the hard one, the soft one, the more muscular one, the more tender one. And we need both in the home. That's God's prescription. And if we want to see kids adopted, and we do, we, we got to take the first step. And that is marriage, because our kids need a mom and a dad. One eight seven. You agree with that, Jimmy? Completely. Okay. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey, Todd. Uh, my pastor uh, a year ago allowed a transgender man to come into the congregation, but uh, before that, he sat and talked with him and told him that he would never be allowed to serve in our church, and he also told him that he would not allow him to come and start spreading propaganda. Let's just stop right there, because I sense a list coming here. Can he? Can somebody come into your church and spread propaganda? I think the pastor has every right to say, no, you're not going to do that here. I am charged with making sure that truth is proclaimed here, not error. You can't do that. We want you here, but you can't do that. As far as never serving in the church, whew, ah, it, it, there might be, there probably are special circumstances, but if 1 Corinthians 6 is accurate, such were some of you, it doesn't list transgenders, but it lists a panoply of sins. I, I, and, and I don't see that this person, based on their sin history, can never serve. Jimmy, would you say that somebody who is transgender, who's repented, born again, has demonstrated fidelity. Uh, they've been participating in the life of the church. Would you ever let them serve in any capacity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, they, right. if they've been regenerated, yeah. Okay. 
But I, I think time. But that's what we should be doing anyway, isn't it? Mm. There, I get it. There's a need. You got to you got to have kid, people and win with the kids. So you know, who's breathing? Come on, help in the nursery. I think that every pl- every little service that the adults provide there, I just think it's wise to have some standards and, and and some, hey, wait a second before we allow you to do that. And I think that that time is needed. I know we do that in our church. They're, they're identified. These 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 men for offices of elders and deacons, they're identified. And then it's shared with the body. So everybody can kind of look and go, yeah, we're agreeing with you guys. These people are qualified for this. Whatever your process is for that, there should be some sort of guidelines and some sort of standards and some sort of observable way to say that over time that the individual is qualified. All right, let's get back to our potential list here. He told him that uh, he was uh, uh, allowed to sit there and hear the gospel uh, each Sunday. And the man came and uh, he came several Sundays, but uh, we hadn't seen him since. Uh, the question is, was my pastor right in doing that? Uh, he did set guidelines, but uh, he did allow the uh, the uh, transgender man to, to come. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. My, my thoughts must be taken out of the context of your church, sir, if you'd allow me permission to do that, because I, I don't want to speak against your pastor. I don't know the details. I just I just don't. And and furthermore, uh, just communication and how things maybe have been conveyed from one person to the next. So if you will, let me just speak in general. One, anybody's welcome to come to church. Anybody is welcome, and they should feel the love of Christians. We should be glad any sinner shows up. Having said that, can a pastor make rules? Absolutely. He's charged to do that. A shepherd has a staff, and sometimes he has to use that staff to chase away. Sometimes he has to use that staff to protect. Sometimes he has to use that staff to correct. And so a pastor, I think, Having the wisdom of a plurality of elders. See what I did right there, Jimmy? I do. Thank you. That he can make rules about that because there's some there's some specific things that need to be considered. What is being communicated if a man comes in women's clothing? How does that affect the body? How does that affect worship? And I don't I don't think a pastor would be going over the edge by maybe the person shows up once and then pulling him aside to say, hey, Friend, we want you here. In fact, we want to take you out for breakfast when we're done here. Let's go out to breakfast. We 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 want to show you some Christian love. And then say, but before next Sunday, um, gonna have to ask you because of the confusion. I could imagine a pastor doing that and setting up rules. As as far as is never serving, I I, I think Jimmy, I oh, this hurts. I think you're right. I, I I think an individual who has put that behind them shouldn't be forever disqualified. Now if there's other issues involved, for instance, somebody who has confessed an attraction to children, should they ever be allowed to be involved in children's ministry directly with the kids? I think wisdom would say probably not a good idea on that. So let's just welcome everybody who comes to our church, but let's let our pastor exercise wisdom to protect the flock that he is charged to protect. And until tomorrow, Go serve your king.